Would you open God's precious holy word to Deuteronomy chapter 5, and we've come to verse 6. No, 16. Isn't it 16? I, man, you ought to watch me type, man. I am. I'm not going to claim that as a mistake, because chapters and verses aren't in the original text. That was an afterthought. I thought, well, no, nobody's going to know where I am if I've just got six or sixteen or something. Well, I'm through whining. It's just verse sixteen. I just, I, I'm, I'm testing y'all. I'm just seeing if you watch and see. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, and I've been looking at that all afternoon and didn't, oh well. Our Lord was asked the question, what is the greatest commandment? His reply in the Gospel of Matthew was this. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. On these rest the commandments. There are four commandments that are vertical. It's the first four. We just finished those. The last six are horizontal. How you deal with your fellow man. And the first of those deals with the family. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you in order that your days may be lengthened and that it may go well with you on the land that Yahweh your God is giving you. Now they're on the brink of crossing the Jordan. I keep saying that every time we get to the next part of Deuteronomy, but there are some things that have to be really, really reiterated obviously, by Moses to the people so that their foundation is strong. Looking back over and reviewing the commandments coming to this one, this is, this is fundamental to the nation, any nation. The biblical worldview of any of a, of a culture or a nation or a society is that the basic building block is the family. It's, it's foundational. If there, if there are cracks in that foundation and if in some way those cracks then destroy that foundation, the whole society, the whole culture, the whole nation will fall. It can't stand. It just can't stand. Now, this is a principle that was established by Yahweh. This is not something I don't guess that's necessarily created by man. But the command from Yahweh to his people, the first of the commandments that have to do with that uh, horizontal relationship, of course, you start with a relationship with God. If you don't have that, it doesn't matter what else you have. But if you have that, you understand you have a responsibility to your creator and your creator has certain requirements. And if you fail in those requirements, it is further taught in the law that 
Yahweh, our creator God, is a gracious and merciful God, and he provides for atonement and justification, but first has to come acknowledgement of sin. You have to confess it. You can't be arrogant and proud and say, well, I'm going to go through the motions, but I don't really care that I did that because I kind of feel good. It kind of made me look like a big man on camera. I don't know, whatever. But it has to first, uh, it has to first deal with the um, humble uh, attitude toward the maker, almighty God. Now, what about man? The rest of the things really, it seems to me, these other commandments in the rest of the Ten Commandments after this one don't really make a lot of difference if you don't have this one first and foremost. The basic building block that starts with the mother and the father. Now, there are other scriptures. We go on later on in Deuteronomy Cursed be he who dishonors his father and mother, and all the people shall say amen. Now that's in that blessing and cursing. Reiterate, reiterated again, this is just for the repeat of the law, the repeat of, of uh, the instructions that had been given already, Exodus, and through by example and illustration in Numbers, uh, reviewing those things, Moses is in Deuteronomy, so it's this Deuteronomy the second time around. Again, to say, and uh, this is just one of the things, there's several, they, they move rapidly here in, in Deuteronomy 27, but it is specifically pointed out that it's a curse to dishonor father and mother. All the people shall say, amen. In other words, everybody's gonna have to acknowledge this. If you don't acknowledge this, we got problems. So they all had to say amen to that. This is fundamental to the, to the development and the strength of any society, nation, or culture. It has to start with the family unit. Now, there are a couple of places as well. There's several places, but I picked out a couple in uh, the New Testament. Ephesians 6, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long in the land. And then again in Colossians chapter 3, children obey your parents in all things, for this is pleasing to the Lord. We have, we, 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 I think we can use our own nation as a paradigm. I can, I can, I've, I, I guess I've lived in that sweet spot where. I really begin to see the collapse of uh, the family unit. I've told you before, when I was growing up, the word divorce was a bad word. Couldn't say it out loud. I happened to hear my mother and my aunt talk about somebody one time at a, at a church gathering. Of course, what, what better place to talk about people than at a church gathering, right? And a lady had visited the church and my aunt seemed to know the lady and my mother was inquiring of the lady and my, my aunt said, she's divorced. What was that? She's divorced. Pregnant was another bad word. Couldn't say pregnant. That was a bad word. Huh? Yeah. She's pregnant. She's pregnant. Okay. Now, 
And, but you know what? That was a strong society, pretty strong society in my view. It was, I mean, everybody's a sinner, had his problems. I understand that. But if you broke the law back then, the punishment of the law was applied. And indeed, that lady holding the balanced scales had a blindfold because the law was equally applied. Things begin to break down. That law is no longer equally applied. Some are above or beyond that because of whatever circumstances they find themselves in with regard to their uh, relationship to the society. And others aren't quite that... um, Important, I guess, or whatever. I've seen that in my lifetime. So going back, I was, I was in my early teens when they really began to rebel in mass. It was against the Vietnam War. Oh, it was, it was again. And then the, you know, the, uh, I remember when it was, when Elvis Presley wasn't supposed to shake his pelvis you know, they, they, uh, the second time he was on Ed Sullivan, the instructions were keep the camera from his waist up. Yeah, I don't know if y'all remember. I'm, that's a long time ago. Um, so, you know, the one group sort of rebels against another and then things begin to break down. And that culture, when finally that honor is, that honor, that respect, that honor between children and parents and parents and children, when that's gone, then, then the culture can't stand it. It won't stand. It, it collapses. And I take that into consideration. I was reading an article in a, in a, a news magazine online how the Navy, the United States Navy, has had to drastically uh, reduce, lower it's uh, requirements for recruits. They can't find anybody to come into the Navy. And they used to have these high standards and they had no problem getting people. Now they've had to lower those standards, just keep lowering the standards. And it's, it, it's, it's just another, it's another revelation of how, how um, discipline has diminished and the... Um, the society seems to be collapsing. Rebellion, lawlessness. Um, the Supreme Court issues an, an edict and those to whom it's issued don't obey it. I've seen that a couple of times in the last couple of months. Now go back to the society in which we live and somebody like me who is, who is, who is in my age group would, would, can look back and see how I remember when, uh, when it was imposed on society that, you know, children shouldn't be spanked or anything. And they, they quit spanking kids in school and, and uh, parents then became very shy about discipline, even though the Bible says the rod and reproof give wisdom. A child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. 29, Proverbs 29. Now, 
I have even observed how people would report parents who were disciplining their children in public. You probably get a man, it's a wonder I'm 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 not in the state pen for the rest of my life. You know, I just grew up that you you respected authority and you you suffered the consequences if you didn't so that the next time you would. Pain compliance is very convincing. Uh you remember this guy went to Thailand or something and he had a little bit of drug. I, don't, I forget it. This was back 20 years ago. And they caned him. What? Huh? Graffiti. Is that what he was spraying graffiti? They caned him. I'll bet you a dollar to a donut hole he has not spray painted anything since then because of what they did. I'm not saying that that cruel punishment was that what he did was worthy of the punishment. That was another society in another part of the world. But I am saying this. If the spirit of discipline is lost, the generation is lost, which means the culture is lost. We are, I think it was Ronald Reagan who said, we are one generation away from being slaves. Just one. If ever a generation relaxes, and it's discipline and determination to remain free, then the next generation will lose that freedom. Freedom, And it's very difficult to win freedom. So we come back then to this first of the horizontal commandments. Children, obey your parents in all things. This is pleasing to the Lord. That was in Colossians. Now, let's consider all of this. And I want to I point out three things that we should extract in in our world today. Number one, there are two challenges that have to be met by, by parents and by cultures, by, by societies, by, by nations. The first challenge is if the authority is a righteous authority. Now, let me explain what I'm saying here. A righteous authority would be an authority that has biblical standards as a moral basis. I'm not saying that everybody in that culture necessarily be Christians, but I am saying that they would have the same sensitivities with regard to what is moral, what is immoral, what is, what is just, and what is unjust. That requires authority. We looked at the church. We looked at the introduction to the Philippians, to the letters of the Philippians this morning. And in the very introduction in his pen, in his penning, well, probably Timothy wrote it, but Paul is the author. Timothy was the secretary who wrote it. Maybe that's what most believe. But that said, it came from the Holy Spirit through Paul. And in Greeting the saints, he mentioned the overseers and deacons, which meant that there was a structure. Now, you go back into other parts of the scriptures, and you will see that within that structure in the church, there is discipline. Discipline, there shouldn't be any freer people in the world than those of us who are free in Christ. 
and we, in, we, have, we abide in this joy that Philippians talks about, yet still we have to understand that, that everything stands on a foundation of, of discipline and authority. We can't be, First Corinthians, read it. Those people weren't very good. Paul was appalled at how they didn't discipline the church. You know, what's with you? Why is this guy still in church? So there is an authority that has to be respected. And if that authority is attacked, that attack has to be met as forcefully as possible to stop the attack, to reestablish the authority that is righteous authority. Now, of course, to me, absolute truth, the scripture is absolute truth. And there is where I get my definition of right and wrong. We've moved away from that as a society here and as a nation and as a culture. And the farther away we, we, you know, we have things today that are allowed that are forbidden in scriptures, uh, an abomination in scripture. And so as we, we move into this laxity as a culture, we collapse in all kinds of ways. Um, now, somewhere when there is an attack on that authority, that attack has to be forcefully counterattacked and stopped. We have failed to do that. We haven't done that. So this discipline and authority exists still, but only in pockets here and there. Um, had a karate class. At a, where I was at in 1980s, big karate class. And I had, to, had a guy, I'm not going to call his name, but he kept bringing his son. You, you may not remember this because you were pretty young then, but uh, his son was very unruly. Um, kid about eight years old. And of course, I'm all about discipline, especially in class like that, you know. And he wasn't staying in line. He wasn't being quiet. He was disrupting the class. And his daddy was actually one of my black belt instructors that had achieved his black belt there in that class. We, we were about four years into that class. So I, I grabbed that kid and took him over to the side. And I said, you're either going to be quiet or you're going to go to And he said, I don't have to do what you tell me to do. I turned purple. I didn't know what to do. You know, I thought, well, I ain't going to tell you what I thought. <laughs> um, so I just went and got his daddy. His daddy was helping lead the class. I said, you have to deal with this kid over here. He's yours. What's the matter, son? You know, I thought, oh, bull. And I just got back to the class. There was, a, there was a, a lax there in authority, and the kid had no discipline, and he had no respect for authority. Now, that's a microcosm to what exists today. Every story that is produced today as a, as a movie or a sitcom or whatever, who is the biggest clown? The daddy. Who is the person who is the coolest and knows the most about what's going on? The kid, right? Commercials. Doesn't matter who it is. All of this is presented as a lifestyle that is totally destructive uh, to the culture and to the society in which we live. 
When I was a kid, those things were never questioned. Never. Daddy was always in charge. And as, as, as part of his authority, he would always tell mother to give me the whipping. <laughs> so, I, don't know, he, I think he whipped me once. Well, but my mama, I lost count somewhere along the way, but man. Yet still, I would never... I would never show lack of discipline to him or any, I was always taught, I was always taught that you respected authority, whoever they were, and your elder was your authority. So I deferred to those who were older than me in settings. Um, the teacher was always in authority in the class, right? Uh, whatever, the, whatever the situation was, there was an authority, and that's how I was taught, to respect that authority. If something was wrong, I'd tell my daddy and my daddy would take care of it. But not me. It wasn't my place to take care of it. Now, here, the two challenges that are presented based on the mandate to honor our parents is, number one, an attack on authority. The second thing is what is the result of that attack that is not met forcefully in counterattack. And that is the culture and the nation and the society will be in decline. It can reach a tipping point where there's no reversal and there's chaos, absolute chaos and no organization. And then, and then what has to happen in a, in a worldly sense is that Somebody has to come with a fist of iron and impose order and kill all of those, just shoot them on the spot, who refuse to follow the orders. And that happens in history. And a despot comes to power. Hitler gained authority that way. So there are two challenges that are, that are presented to us in this commandment. The first Attack on authority. The second is cultural and national decline. How do we honor our parents? I don't have the plethora of scriptures that mention these things, but here are the three general ways scripturally we honor our parents. First of all is to obey our parents, to be obedient to our parents. Secondly, respect our parents. Disrespect and disloyalty are very distasteful to me. Very. When, when there's no reason for it. Now, I'm telling you, this is based on a biblical worldview, which is a response to the love of parents, the love that comes from parents. Now, I know and I understand that uh, that that there are times when parents don't deserve this kind of thing and that's the basis of another, of another message and other things that the scriptures say. But in the context, these people are about to go and start a nation, these people of God. And the foundation building block of their society, of their nation, the nation of Israel, as they're about to go and begin to conquer the land of Canaan. 
is that their society, their culture, their nation has to start with the family unit. Now, in the case of Israel, this is why Deuteronomy is written. In the case of Israel, Moses, the great respected man of God who can't cross the river, is giving them these final instructions and they have, they have reverence for, for Moses and how God had shown and had proven countless times that he is the one who raised Moses up to that position of authority. So this is God's man for the moment as they're about to go and form their nation. So the first commandment, horizontal, the first four, you remember, were vertical toward God. These, next, these, la- these last six, the first one of those has to do with the family unit. And the family unit begins with mother and father. And in the case of Israel, they, of course, were challenged and charged with the responsibility of being obedient to the law, the only scripture they had in their day. And at this point in time, at least, this particular generation, the sons and daughters of those who had come out of Exodus but had lost the privilege of gaining the land of Canaan because of their disobedience and and doubt of God, this new generation... They are, they are ready to go and they are committed. So we're looking at a group of people getting a start and that start has to begin. The society, the nation, the co- it's built on the family unit. If the biblical paradigm of the family unit is, is lost... The culture collapses, the society collapses, and the nation is lost. And that, that happens later. We've been seeing it some on Wednesday nights. But anyway, secondly, how to honor parents. Obedience, to be obedient, to have respect. One of the instructions that Paul gave to the church in the New Testament was the importance of taking care of, of widows and orphans. A special circumstance where the family unit didn't exist anymore. He had in there, you know, let her family take care of her, but if there's nobody there, then deacons are going to have to do, through, through the, the church, through the deacons, will have to take care of these people who are helpless and they need help. They're in the church. These are Christian folks the orphans and the, and the uh, widows about whom he speaks. And that was an important thing. So in those instructions, Paul deferred back to the respect that a widow's children must show her. The assumption was at that point when those instructions were given that she didn't have that family. They weren't there. She didn't have a family like that. So there was... In both testaments, the, the mandate to respect parents. And then finally, to give them care, uh, to care for our parents. Uh, don't forget this now. I'm, I'm failing, and uh, <laughs> I'm going to need all the help I can get. Um, I'll try to lose weight for you. And for the sake of my pallbearers, I'm trying to lose weight too. Um, but anyway that they should care for, for their parents. 
Last thing to note about this commandment. This is a commandment with promise. This is a commandment. You know, it doesn't start out, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. This is different. You know, this is, look what it says. It says, honor your father and your mother, your parents. The reward of honoring parents, two things are mentioned. Your days will be lengthened. Now, there, is all, there are all kinds of scholarly, academic uh, dissertations that are written, placed in the journals, academic journals, about what that means. Well, does that mean that I'm going to live older as a person? Or does that mean that my days, our days as a culture, will be lengthened? What what does that mean? Well, probably yes and yes. There is a blessing that goes to those who, who, who make great care and attempt to tend uh, to parents. But in some way, it lengthens days, but even beyond that, number two, it says, Paul said, it will be well with you. In, within the culture of God's elect, there is a, there is a spiritual blessing and a happiness that belongs in the family unit where that family unit is in the Lord. And there's nothing greater. We, we've experienced, the last one, they're all gone now. The last one was my mother. 2021, 101 years old. Now, I will say this. Watching, (laughs) this is not a criticism of anybody. It's just an observation. Watching Jimmy Swaggart all night long (laughs) was a little taxing, but Take the TV that she had and flip around everything else it was on. The second best thing was, uh, say again, Matlock. Matlock. I could, I could get five or six people and bring you up here and we could act out every episode of Matlock. Every one of them. I just need me a seersucker suit and a hot dog stand right outside the door there. And we're ready to play Matlock. But there was something warm. I'd give anything to go back to have her like that again. It's gone now. But she, she loved the scriptures and, and she loved the things that were right and good. And there was a, there's a blessing that goes with that. There's a strength that goes with that. Things that she would say would stay with you, you know. Same way with all parents, I'm sure. All right, so the reward of honoring parents. Your days are lengthened in a kind of a special way, and it will be well with you. That's a promise from the Bible. You can stand on that.
You don't have to question that at all. You can stand on it as long as you honor your parents. And that's the deal. Well, that introduces us then to the last of those six commandments. We're going to stop there and we'll be dismissed and God willing, we'll pick it up there next time and I'll be sure and have the, the one in front of the, in front of the number in Deuteronomy. Let's pray together. Father, how we love you. Oh Lord, we even love your law because that's what chased us to Christ. We thank you for the deep meaning of the standards of humanity that you have established. The promises that are made therein. Dismiss us now from this place in your love. In Jesus' name, amen.